Headline, more Canadians leaving the country for health care, says a new report. This report is a policy brief. It's titled Flight of the Sick. Here to talk about it, Colin Craig, who is president of the SecondStreet.org. Welcome to the show, Colin. Good to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for being here. So maybe give us the uh, skinny on what exactly your policy brief contains. Yeah, so what we thought we would look into is sort of the economic side of Canadians leaving the country for health care each year, because we've certainly heard many stories over the years of Canadians getting tired of having to wait a year for hip surgery or a couple of years for some kind of other procedure. So we've heard a lot of cases where Canadians just, they leave. They, they go to other countries for health care because in many provinces, they're banned from using their own money to pay for private health care. The government only lets them use the government system. So we thought, okay, well, how much money is leaving the country? How many Canadians are leaving the country? And we got some data from Statistics Canada that shows how many Canadians are doing just that. All right, so give us the numbers. Yeah, so in in 2017, Canadian patients made 217,500 trips to other countries. Now, that's a big number. It's kind of hard to conceptualize. So if uh, the Toronto listeners think about the Rogers Centre where the Blue Jays play, well, that's more than four sellouts. Wow. That's how many Canadians we're looking at. And uh, now, if you just look at Ontario, actually, the numbers are very, very high. Ontario has a disproportionately high number. It's about 154,000, and that's on the low end. So, you know, that's about three sellouts of where the, uh, the Rogers Centre, where the Blue Jays play. So we're talking about a lot of people. Did Stats can indicate where they were going for medical services outside Canada? Uh, you know, we, we don't have a breakdown on that. Uh, what we could tell from some of the spending figures was that a lot of the people are going to the United States, but we certainly heard of a lot of cases where can, uh, Canadians are going to other countries, such as China, uh, Thailand, Mexico, over to European countries, the United Kingdom, uh, Poland. So there's a lot of other countries where, where Canadians are doing this. And what's interesting is that when you really stand back and look at how other countries have their healthcare models set up, it's very common to have a publicly funded healthcare system and allow citizens the right to spend their own money on private healthcare if that's what they wanted to. So Canada really is an outlier in that. In this country, uh, many provincial governments uh, effectively ban private healthcare. SecondStreet.org also noted the amount of money that uh, StatsCan figures was spent by Canadians leaving for healthcare abroad in 2017. What was that? Well, work that's about $1.9 million every single day on average. Wow. And, uh, you know, that, that figure, I, I would note that that figure does include spending on emergency situations. You know, maybe you go to New York to do some shopping and by accident you slip and fall and you have to go to an emergency room and pay to get cast, <laughs> that kind of thing. I thought you so were talking about going in New York and, uh, you know, for a little shopping and by accident you got yourself a facelift on the side. <laughs> well, it, it would include that too, yeah. So it's that's one of the, the problems with the data is that it's, it's, it doesn't break it down between medically necessary procedures like a hip replacement or, versus something that is, you know, say, cosmetic or an emergency situation. Well, a lot That's of so. people are, you know, traveling to other countries to get cosmetic surgery. It's big business. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've certainly heard of that because sometimes people go abroad for dental as well because you can get a, sometimes it's cheaper to go to another country for, for dental care. Than Costa Rica is a biggie cost. for dental tourism. Yeah, so that, that is a consideration. Um, now, what, what we're looking at is sort of, well, what's the solution here? How could 
the Canadian government, whether it's the Trudeau government or, say, the Doug Ford government, if they look at this situation and say, well, this is an opportunity if we want to, you know, try to keep some of these dollars here in Canada, uh, what they could do is continue to fund Canada's public health care system, but relax the rules around what private clinics can provide so that uh, Canadian patients would have the choice, use the public system or maybe go to a private clinic and pay out of pocket. And could this also help if there was, I know everybody argues against a two-tier system, but there's a lot of things that the government doesn't pay for. Um, Would that help, you know, opening that up? Well, you're right. I mean, there are a lot of procedures right now, chiropractic, physiotherapy, you know, we just talked about dental. There's there's a lot of sort of healthcare activities around the, the edges where the government's really not involved in it right now. So, you know, if you did have an option where, uh, Canadians could use their own dollars to use the private healthcare system. Some of them would, and they would go off of public waiting lists, and that would help shorten those up. How open to it, this uh, two-tier system, do you think Canadians really are? You know, I think Canadians are more open to it than, uh, you know, what some policymakers may think. And the Canadian Constitution Foundation actually did a survey, and they found that about 76% of Canadians are open to this idea uh, when the government is is slow at providing health care. And, you know, that, that's often the problem is that there's a lot of really sad cases out there where people are being told that they're going to have to wait a year for, say, a hip replacement. We just posted a story of a lady from Vancouver that uh, is in that situation. She was very active before her hip problems began. Now she's being told it's going to be upwards of a year. Wow. And her whole life has changed. You know, she's largely confined to her apartment now. She has to walk around with crutches. She's living in chronic pain. And it's it's those faces uh, that we're you know we're trying to bring those stories to light so that we're not just talking about stats. There's some, some very sad stories out there. So you know I'll I'll just say if any of your listeners have uh, an interesting healthcare case, by all means send us an email or, or drop us a note because we'd like to start to bring some more of these uh, stories to light that are behind the numbers. All right. Well, we're going to probably talk about that as well. But just uh, if somebody wants to send you an email, where what uh, website are they going to? They can go to secondstreet.org, and that's all spelled out. All right. Now, Colin, before I let you go, um, you're saying that this is a good, great argument for the two-tiered system because all of the, this is a great opportunity to keep the money here in Canada and to take that money and help fund health care. Yeah, and, and, and that's what we're doing is we're identifying the, the problem, right? I mean, we've got all this money leaving the country, and then we're saying, well, here's a, a potential solution if policymakers decide that they want to act on this uh, situation. How open do you think policymakers are to this idea? Because it's been fought for a long time. You know, it's, I think it's going to depend on the, the politician, on the government. Some are more open to it than others. Uh, in British Columbia, they were uh, quite open to it under the previous government. They ended up uh, allowing a large section of private clinics to start to grow and offer more services to the public. Like I said, uh, hip operations and other procedures. Uh, and then you've got other provinces where they're, they're just outright clamping down on, on the situation. So it, it really depends on the province. Uh, what's interesting is that there were, was a, a court ruling several years ago that only was restricted to Quebec, but it really lifted the lid on, on choice that patients could have because the Supreme Court ruled that telling someone that they have access to a waiting list, well, that's completely different than actually providing them with health care. And that's the problem is that so often governments just keep people on waiting lists. Right, and I, I would imagine that does nothing for your mental health. No, and that, you know, that, that's a good point is uh, uh, so many patients, they go through so much stress, 
so many problems when they're on a waiting list. You know, if, if you're waiting for, say, a cancer procedure, the whole time you're wondering, well, is the cancer spreading in my body? Um, you know, when you're on a waiting list because you're living in chronic pain, that's impacting your mood and that influences the relationship that you have with your family and friends. Uh, you know, you quite often people grow to become more irritable and that. So it, it really, there's all kinds of consequences from just simply keeping people on waiting lists. And, uh, you know, it's a big problem in this country. Our, our healthcare system does not perform very well when you compare it with other countries that have uh, also have universal healthcare systems. They do much better, the United Kingdom, Australia, New Zealand. So, you know, I think it's wise for elected officials to stand back and look at some reforms so that they can provide better healthcare outcomes for patients. Colin, thanks so much for joining us on the show. I really appreciate your time today. Well, thanks a lot for having me. Cheers. That's Colin Craig, president of the secondstreet.org. If you want to get in touch with him, tell him any of your stories, secondstreet.org.